This week on Medical Minefield. One of my concerns about this individual is she has a huge following. Like, weirdly, her followers are enabling her to continue. Because at the moment, if she's getting so much attention, then the world is telling her that this is okay. Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I am Barney Kelman. And I'm Eve Simmons, not in the studio, but dialing in remotely. And we are health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're asking whether YouTube should ban severely underweight influencer Eugenia Cooney in order to protect young people with eating disorders. As always, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion, tweet us at MebMimeField. So Eve, give us a bit of context. You know, I know who Eugenia Cooney is. Um, you know who she is, but but just mm. in case anyone listening doesn't. Mm, sure. So Eugenia Cooney is a very popular influencer, as many influencers are. She's all over every social media platform you can think of. She's particularly popular on YouTube and TikTok, where she's got two million subscribers and God. two million followers. And, and and I often think people on YouTube are famous if you know who they are. So if you're on YouTube, you know who YouTube stars are. But if you don't, mm. it's sort of hard to grasp just quite how massive the reach of these people are if if you imagine something like the mail on sunday is thought to have around in total i think one and a half million two million people reading every Mm. issue and that's multiple people reading one issue one 30 or 29 year old woman on, on youtube has more than that in terms of reach and influence you know more than two million people you know potentially watching every single thing this person puts out and you times that again put it on tiktok which is you know directly beamed onto the phones of just about every teenager in the world and millions of them are seeing the, the content created by this person so so the influence of, of eugenia cooney like many influencers out there is massive isn't it completely i think also what's important to bear in mind is that everything she posts is immediate and and global so anywhere from anywhere and anyone from anywhere in the world can immediately see what she's posted and what's also interesting i guess if you compare this sort of form of new media to the traditional media that you and i have worked in is that it isn't actually based around anything particularly new or i mean in my opinion that interesting or revelatory um, mm. She's not necessarily revealing anything. She's just sort of going about her daily life, going to the shops, baking cookies with her mum, talking to her audience about an outfit that she's bought or some new makeup products that she's using. But she's so popular. I, and if you close your eyes, you know, so people who don't know who she is, if you close your eyes, I can almost see the appeal of it. She has a very youthful sounding sort of uh, engaging, cutesy sort of tone. Mm. Uh, and she, you know, witters on basically about, you know, how she applies her eyeliner or the type of eyeshadow that she uses or, you know, how she loves certain kinds of music or and it, it just goes on and on and on you know to 20 30 minute clips but mm. it's it's not what she says it's what she looks like that's so shocking isn't it 
Yeah, so she started posting to YouTube in 2013 and throughout her whole YouTube career, she's been very, very thin. And this has been a sort of common theme in all of the comments underneath her videos from the very beginning are fans asking if she's okay, if she has an illness, if there's something the matter and why she is looking the way that she looks and why she she's seemingly sort of malnourished. And kind of over the the years, she stayed very, very slim. But there's been some points where she's been really, I would say, dangerously Mm, mm. um, underweight. And and I say that as somebody who has been dangerously underweight and also who has seen a lot of other people in treatment who are dangerously underweight. So it's very much a look that I recognize. Um, And this has happened where she's declined quite quickly a number of years ago. She then admitted that she had suffered from an eating disorder and had had treatment for it. But what's been quite alarming in the last few months is there does appear to have been this another steep decline. And fans are now asking on her videos how long, you know, she thinks that she has left because they are in disbelief that she can live and be functioning at this weight. I mean, I remember first seeing her videos probably in in 2019. It was probably before she went into to treatment that I first saw it. And, and I, funnily, I remember not wanting to mention it to you because I just mm. was worried about what you might think about the whole thing. Um, and I, I didn't say anything, and I, I can't remember how it's come up. I mean, in conversation with it, it, since, um, but obviously you, you've been aware of of her for some time. Mm. So obviously, on one hand, there is this concern for her health, you know, and 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 I get that, you know. And back in 2019, when I first saw it, you know, your your instant reaction when you see someone who is so so underweight, and we're talking about, uh, you know, I mean, clinically, uh, is it called cachaxia? I'm not going to pretend that I know how to pronounce it, but I know what it's when you reach a kind of critical low weight and your body begins to break down, and so you get a very characteristic facial wasting uh, where you can see the bones of the skull, basically, and similar around areas that normally sort of keep our emergency weight they become atrophied as well so you know the entire spine is visible you know the skeleton becomes very visible because of the breakdown of fat and and muscle um, particularly Mm. muscle and uh, you know when you see someone in that way you you are desperately worried about them because we know as as humans when you're when you're looking at someone like that 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 there's something very wrong you know, we, we can see illness in that way. It's it's plain to see, you know, you don't need to be told when you're viewing someone. It isn't just a skinny mini, mm. <laughs> as her mother oddly yeah. called her, which is a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but the other side of this isn't just the worry for her, is it? There's a worry for people watching these kinds of videos. And could you just explain that a bit? Yeah. So, I mean, this is what I have been, you know, finding most bizarre is that as a journalist, and, and obviously I think I'm acutely aware of this having suffered from eating disorder myself, but I am aware that there are quite strict rules from BEAT, which is the National Eating Disorder Charity, about how to report on eating disorders. And a big part of that is the way that you present and illustrate eating disorders. And putting a picture of somebody who is very, very, very anorexic, obviously, in a newspaper or a magazine is a big no-no because it's known that people with eating disorders seek out those kinds of images in order to fuel their condition. So, Mm. 
it, it's almost like a sick kind of inspiration. There's a big competitive element to eating disorders, especially anorexia. Yeah. Um, and if you are at a low weight, your cognition suffers and therefore part of the disorder is you become obsessive about chasing this very, very slim aesthetic that you can't see to be disturbing you know you know now with with my eyes I would see that and think oh my gosh that person looks ill but when you're in the midst of it it's very difficult to recognize that I I remember I mean you know this is going back more than a decade but uh, there was Mm. a you know sort of almost uh, with the advent of the world wide web and being able to look up anything and share images and stuff like that which I remember the, the the beginning of was something called pro Anna. Mm. And it was a phenomenon of early websites in which images of already super thin supermodels like Kate Moss and Jodie Kidd and, uh, you know, various 90s stars who were, you know, criticised by many for being so very thin were then modified Mm. to make them look almost inhumanly thin. Mm. Um, And this was Mm. this was called thin thin spo or thinspiration. Yeah. And that still goes on. So there's right. pro-Anna websites and pro-Anna subreddits on, on Reddit and, and different forums and also pro-Mia, which is pro-Bulimia. And I guess as well as the images, these websites do also feature sort of tips um, mm. for how to restrict calories, how to um, lie or, or fake weight gain, etc. I suppose it's really important to point out that Eugenia Cooney is not doing this at all. You know, she she never talks about her weight. She that it was sort of dragged out of her in 2019 when she was forced into treatment uh, by some other YouTubers and again bizarre set of circumstances in which the whole thing seemed to have been played out publicly on YouTube uh, to millions and millions of viewers, a very serious mm. mental health condition. But she she never really talks about it. And even when she's been interviewed after treatment, she sort of, you know, I've watched those interviews and she sort of, again, witters on. And all she's ever really said is, uh, you know, I had an eating disorder, but I'm not sure of the label or she, I, I don't like labels or something yeah. along those lines. And that's, that's, as, that's as big a reference as, as she's ever had to her weight, her body, her eating disorders. She said many times in many videos, it's very, it's difficult to talk about it. It's private. She's acknowledged that she was in treatment. It's very odd. She, so she did a video shortly after she came out of treatment with a therapist who is also big on YouTube, interestingly specialises, um, I think, in uh, childhood uh, ADHD or something. I could That could be wrong, but it's, she's definitely not a specialist in eating disorders. Anyway, she's hugely popular on YouTube. And um, Eugenia went on her YouTube channel and spoke about being detained under what they call in, in the US a 5150, which I guess is our equivalent of a section order. So you're, you're held in a psychiatric facility against your will due to the fact that you're judged not to be safe to yourself or others. And she did a whole interview, but as you said, she didn't really say much. Mm, It was mm. kind of saying words that didn't really mean anything. Yeah, wittering on. (laughs) But but I, I think the point is as well, she has said that she's never tried to encourage people to... Uh, change their diets. Um, she, she has gone as far as saying things like that, um, which is absolutely mm. true. But I guess the point that you're making is, and and with this whole idea of, of images having this power over people who are vulnerable to eating disorders, mm. is that simply by presenting herself as she is, that it could mm. be harmful to some people. Is, is that about right? 
Yeah, I think also a, a massive element of the potential harm is that what she's doing, obviously not with malice at all, and maybe even subconsciously or unconsciously, what she's doing is she's saying to people who are vulnerable to eating disorders or who have eating disorders, you're fine. You can live a, a functioning, normal mm. life, a very glamorous life. You can dress up in all the clothes you want to dress up in. You can be, be a popular. successful YouTuber, be popular, mm. have millions and millions of people adore you, and yet be incredibly unwell mm. to, I would say, the point that really you should be in hospital receiving um, medical care. And there's a huge element of denial that goes on in eating disorders. And I know certainly when I wasn't well, you know, you really can't see it. You're so blinded to it. And if you see somebody else who looks like you seemingly being able to cope with things and not needing to receive medical care, it speaks to that anorexic voice that's saying, what are they all talking about? There's not absolutely nothing wrong with you. You can carry on doing what you're doing and you, you're absolutely fine because that person is absolutely fine. And and something you point out when you speak about eating disorders and in particular anorexia is that it is an incredibly deadly mental health problem. Yeah, it's the most deadly of all mental health problems, actually, directly deadly because it's psychobiological. You die from it. Once you reach a certain weight, your organs stop functioning. There's a very high rate of sudden heart attack. So the heart can literally just stop and that's what happens, I believe, in most anorexia deaths. There's not a huge amount of anorexia deaths, thankfully, every year in the UK, but there are a, you know, enough for it to be a concern. And people do die from this illness. And when, you know, I have seen patients who are, I would say, roughly a similar sort of weight, I would guess this is all supposition, obviously, but who look similar in body shape to Eugenia Cooney. And they were all in hospital in a bed being tube fed because their life was at risk. And so, you know, seeing her kind of walk around seemingly not have any treatment obviously makes you deeply concerned that something could go horribly wrong at any minute. And there have been petitions, uh, multiple petitions from worried fans trying to get YouTube in particular to remove her in a bid to sort of force her into into getting help. But you uh, contacted YouTube this week and asked if they had uh, any intention to do anything like that. And the, their response was pretty interesting, wasn't it? It was interesting. I asked to clarify if uh, Eugenia was still making money from YouTube. So um, as they did with Russell Brand this week, very quickly after the allegations against him were um, published, they stopped monetizing him, which meant that he could no longer sell adverts on his videos and therefore couldn't make any money. It wasn't clear whether Eugenia's videos were advertised because I think you and I and a, and a couple of colleagues had tried to look on her videos and, and couldn't see adverts. However, when one colleague did, she saw an advert for Disney. So I asked them to clarify. They said, yes, the channel is still monetized. So she's still making money from YouTube, which means that YouTube is still making money from her. And they still haven't come back to us with any response to our sort of concerns and, and potential idea that she should be banned from the site. I mean, playing devil's advocate, Eugenia Cooney is not directly encouraging unhealthy behaviour in, in what she says. And would it set a precedent? For instance, you know, many uh, people have a, a public profile and are uh, unwell. 
And there is nothing wrong with that because they may be encouraging awareness of, of a condition or, or not just having a public profile living their life with a serious illness. Um, you know, it's a phenomenon uh, we're, we're all familiar with. You know, why should this woman be made an example of and banned simply because of her low weight? It's a really difficult one and I had an interesting conversation with Instagram this week actually and I have to say I really expected to be um, very cynical about them and, and not impressed by what they had to say but I, I actually I thought that what they were saying was quite um, admirable they have taken really significant steps to try and protect people with eating disorders by banning damaging hashtags like things like binspo etc and I was surprised to search hashtags that I thought were you know pretty middle of the road and actually they were banned there was no there was no content coming up so they have done some things to try and help the situation but with this they are very clear that Eugenia Cooney and, and other influencers like her who may be extremely underweight are not breaking any rules because they're as you say they're not encouraging eating disorders they're not talking about it they're not giving tips nothing like that so they're in a, a sort of a conundrum because what are you supposed to do ban somebody because of the way that they look which mm. of course is is deeply unethical and I guess you could look at it from the other side of the spectrum if you had somebody who was extremely morbidly obese and their health was suffering as a result it would be awful and, and kind of unheard of to, to ban somebody from social media for that so I do see the conundrum but I think the difference is this is this is a very severe mental illness and the harms to people with eating disorders have been evidenced. There's a lot of research and the fact that we accept media guidelines that it is damaging to have pictures in newspapers and magazines and it's, it's quite kind of widely known that you should avoid those images when, you know, given the chance to. And so the fact that that's completely gone out the window with social media is, quite baffling to me. Mm. Well, look, you've got someone lined up to have a talk about some of the, the nuances of, of this story and the influence social media can have on uh, people with eating disorders. If you want to get them on the blower. Yep. On the line now is Rini McGregor, who is a dietitian specialising in eating disorders. Rini, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you're always incredibly insightful, so I'm really grateful to have you. We're talking today about Eugenia Cooney, who is a, a social media influencer who's clearly very, very underweight and suffering from an eating disorder. I have tried to explain why simply seeing somebody who is so very unwell all over the internet can be damaging for people who have eating disorders or are vulnerable to them. But I, I have a feeling you're going to articulate it much better than I did. Can you try and explain why that's so? so I, I guess the, the sort of thing with the conundrum with this influencer, and I, and I know that there are, are other similar influencers, is that she's not actively encouraging eating disorders by sort of, you know, giving pro type tips or even talking about diet at all. But just looking at the images of her, are, you know, can be incredibly triggering. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, an eating disorder as you know, is a very complex psychiatric illness. And while there is a lot of associations with kind of the images we see and the, the diet industry, I think it is really important to explain that an eating disorder tends to come as a result of 
somebody fundamentally trying to express their extreme emotional pain in some way. So often with anorexia, which is obviously like a restrictive eating disorder where people do hold their bodies at a very low weight, you know, it can be an expression of anger. It can be a method of demonstrating emotional pain they do not want to feel. And so I think what I want to kind of get people to understand is that an eating disorder is is very, very complex. However, what we also know is that since the kind of advent of social media, the rise in prevalence of eating disorders has increased significantly. Now, that's not to say that social media per se is the cause, but we've got to remember that often when an individual is suffering, they have a very deep-rooted narrative and belief about themselves. And generally, that tends to be that they are falling short in some way. They are, you know, they are unable to feel like they belong or are accepted in the world that they are in. And the problem with images and social media and the messaging is that it contributes to that narrative. So we know that the human brain is, is an amazing organ and, and very, again, very, very complicated. However, we also know that the human brain hasn't quite caught up with the level of technology that we have. And so, you know, with social media, we know that we have access to it 24-7 and our brain is taking this information in all the time. And while you might not consciously be thinking you're absorbing the information, the brain is like taking these images, taking this information about whether it's about food or whether it's about exercise, or whether it's about your body. And the kind of biochemistry in our brain is kind of creating these messages. And now we combine that with somebody who is incredibly vulnerable. So somebody who is suffering from an eating disorder and is incredibly underweight, whose brain is already compromised because they are so underweight and their brain is starved. And they can't process this information in a healthy and rational manner. And what it does, it holds them in this place. It validates their behaviors. And this is where the real concern is here because as you said in this case she's not actively promoting dietary methods or or even kind of talking about her body in any form or manner however the images that she's putting out would suggest to some people who are incredibly vulnerable that it validates where they need to stay and that's Mm. a big concern Mm. And and I guess my thoughts on it were that it does, a, a bit like what you said, that it justifies the fact that you tell yourself if you have an eating disorder, you don't need help. Yeah, I mean, again, it's so complicated, isn't it? Eating disorders are so messy. And the difficulty with someone who has a severe eating disorder, when there's, I mean, it's very, very clear that Eugenie is incredibly unwell. Like, there's a very physical reality there and when somebody is that unwell it's very difficult for them to see that they have a problem and the belief system is so strong that they cannot separate themselves from the reality of of the fact that they are really very unwell and and the problem is that the human body is incredibly resilient so it can continue to function and I say function you're fundamentally surviving you're not really living but it can continue to function for a very, very long time. And so, again, often these individuals are highly intelligent and they often say, you know, well, 
I'm surviving, so what's the point? What's the problem here? And not really realize that, you know, their body could be so much more optimal and they could have so much more fun and enjoyment of life if they were not hungry to start with mm. and were also able to maintain a body that is acceptable for them. But I suppose as, as well, uh, Rini, it's, it's, it's that when someone becomes so severely underweight that it's life-threatening as well, is, is it not? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, I obviously I do not know anything about this young woman, but you know, my my instant reaction is, oh my goodness, somebody please help her. But again, you can only help someone who wants to be helped, right? Mm-hmm. Like people go through the process. I mean, I you know I work in a clinic where parents bring their children to our clinic because understandably they are desperate for their children not to be suffering in the way that they are. But unless that young person wants to get better, you can throw everything at it. You know, you can try and explain all the physiology, all the psychology, but until they see that their eating disorder is a hindrance rather than something positive, they're not going to want to get better. And I guess one of my concerns about this individual is she has a huge following. Like, weirdly her followers are enabling her to continue because at the moment I mean obviously we don't know the backstory but if she's getting so much attention then weirdly the world is telling her that this is okay and so that is dangerous as well. I mean having having said that if you look at what most people are commenting underneath the, the videos it's exactly what you've just said you know please get help um, you know, mm. people are expressing concern over and over. I mean, I, I wonder what you think YouTube, for instance, or TikTok should do, considering that, I mean, this is essentially, uh, apart from anything else, this is obviously her livelihood. Yeah, yeah. And this is the problem, right? Like, I've talked about this a lot, is that social media in general perpetuates all of this. Because these individuals, like you say, they earn a living from it. And so they continue to do it because they need to do it to earn their living. And so, you know, it's it's such a complicated and difficult scenario to be in. I mean, personally, I think TikTok and YouTube need to pretty much take this down and actually have a conversation with this individual and and offer, offer some sort of support and help. Because, again, by letting it be there, not only are they not being responsible towards her, but equally then there's all these young people and other individuals who are watching her going, well, you know, she's she's okay. She's earning money. She's doing what she's doing and, and nobody's worried about her. So why would they worry about me? You know, like I think there is a massive responsibility here and I don't know where that responsibility lies. Like, you know, I've, I've been on numerous, calls and numerous steering groups and numerous kind of webinars with individuals where we're supposed to be trying to get more regulation and and, and get more kind of security and um for you know for this but yet everywhere i turn there is still way too much imagery and messaging that is dangerous and and, and in this case you know, I'll kind of this is this is a really key case because this is somebody that is actively unwell, and we can see it. And as you said, there are many messages of please, please get some help, and and this is not okay, and and all this kind of stuff. But I think 
just to kind of open up the discussion a little bit more as well, that there are also numerous influencers who have dysfunctional behaviors around food and exercise who mm. do not necessarily look as unwell as this woman does. And they are probably more harmful to the world because nobody can see it. Like not all eating disorders are visible. And so for me, this is a bigger question around how do we stop people who do not have legitimate knowledge or qualifications talking about food and training and you know what I mean weirdly like why do we have influencers like that's the bigger question isn't it is like why do brands have influencers who are actively promoting unhealthy behaviors that to me is the big question I wonder really if just as you were talking I was thinking that social media and, and eating disorders are almost a match made in heaven because a lot of, I mean, just knowing have, knowing a lot of people who have, have struggled with disordered eating, there often it happens to people who have a low sense of self-worth, right, mm. or are struggling with self-esteem issues. And often they are also the people who may be more drawn to influence their life or setting up on YouTube behind a screen where you can gain validation and popularity and you can have a, your ego massaged and, and a sense of self-worth, but you don't actually have to be sort of out there facing the world. And I, I've always wondered why that's perhaps why people with strange eating patterns are almost drawn into the life of a YouTube influencer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we could go one step further and say that a lot of people on social media, influencer or not, are using it as a method of attaining worth and validation, mm. right? Like, from a modern society point of view, we are generating this sense of unworthiness all the time, in the mm. sense that everybody feels like they're not good enough. Everybody feels that they're having to fall, they're falling short in some way. And I think the problem... With I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, Eve, and I do agree with you. But I also think the influencer market is full of very attractive young people who are promoting a lifestyle that is generally unrealistic in most cases. And even those that say they are being responsible, at the end of the day, there are certain images, there are certain messages they will put out because it's clickbaity and mm -hmm. it's how they continue to make a living. So I guess, you know, you could ask, where does the responsibility lie? Does it rely in the brands that are, that are asking for these influencers? Is it, is it to do with, like, what, where, where do we start? Where do we stop? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I feel like it's such a complex problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure who takes responsibility and how we change it. And I think the only thing we can do is keep doing information like this to, to raise awareness but also I do think we have to put pressure on the social media platforms to support those that are, are obviously suffering and and that that does need to happen 100%. Well thank you so much Rini for sharing your insight into this uh, 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 very complicated subject. No problem thank you for having me. I think it's a really good question to to ask about you know who's who's ultimately responsible. Uh, you know the the thing that I'm pondering in my mind about Eugenia Cooney is should the worst happen, who's going to feel responsible 
for having not done enough. Uh, yeah. You know, is someone at YouTube going to feel bad for not having reached out and said, you know, we're going to take you off air, we're going to put you into rehab, whatever it takes, we're going to help you get better. I mean, because the thing is, I know that might sound like a, you know, extraordinary thing for a, for a social media company to do. But uh, certainly um, I've been watching her TikToks and TikTok actively contact her and ask her to do special promotions because she's so popular and so trending, um, presumably because, uh, for, you know, at least some proportion of, of her popularity, which has been very rapid growth on TikTok, is because of the way she looks, which is extraordinary and shocking mm. um but mm. it tiktok are contacting her and getting her to do special live things uh you know live streaming events etc so you know if they have the wherewithal to to see that she is uh doing the statistics and you know drawing in punters and and you know tiktok do make money from advertising as well so when people are scrolling through or looking at live things i believe that you're also broadcast adverts personally targeted at you and they earn some money from that you know if, if they've got the ability to spot all that and um, capitalize on it they absolutely could say you know we're worried that you're not well we'll hold this this job open for you you know this whatever it is however they'd put it but only once you've you know got a clean bill of health from a doctor mm. I mean it's a tricky one isn't it because technically I mean she's a She's a freelancer, is she, or who's her employer? Because she's, well, she's she's not employed by them, but but still, they could, you know. I mean, if if they can target people and say do this work, they could also target them and say well, you can't do any more work with us um, until you know we have a certificate that you're psychologically uh, well. You know, it's just I, an I idea. A, I don't know. It's never going to happen, is it? Really- no, it's not. It's not ever going to happen. I think that there's also a really interesting phenomenon that that I notice with eating disorders, with the restrictive eating disorders that affect your weight, meaning that you lose weight. Specifically, everyone is so terrified about what to say, and there is this real elephant in the room that because somebody looks thin, you're never really sure when it's appropriate to comment, or you know if it's if it's going to offend the person, if it's going to... I think the concern is that you may make it worse, Mm. that you may cause them to become even more self-conscious and therefore they starve themselves even more, even if it's not possible. I think as well for loved ones uh, that see someone going through it, there's there's the worry that 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 person might withdraw from them and, and, Mm. and, you know, that that if they are seen to be critical, you know, maybe they might have tried to say things before and it didn't go down very well. So, you know, they they Mm. might stop because you know that kind of path of least resistance kind of thing or at least at least I can be in their life even if they're but you've always said that's really the wrong approach haven't you I think everyone is different and and this illness affects everyone differently but for me certainly and I think that where possible I would always advise a family member to try and be as upfront as possible because you know motivating factors in eating disorders are key and one big motivating factor is fitting in with a peer group or being able to see a future and fulfill that future as you you've expected it to be so for instance if you're 
job is really important to you and no one wants to kind of look like the, the odd one out, right? No one wants to be the one who can't go on the holidays or who gets told that they shouldn't be coming into work because that's seen as a sort of embarrassing thing. As horrible as that is, sometimes that can be the motivation a person needs. You know, for me, I plodded along and thought that I was fine, even though I was incredibly, incredibly underweight and should have been under medical care. I was going into work, I was seeing friends, I was just living my life. And and my mum had said numerous times that she was worried, but because she was my mum, I ignored it. And it was only when I had, you know, my boss say to me, you should go and get help. And I had a doctor on the phone saying, if you do not come into treatment tomorrow and quit your job, we could section you and you wouldn't be able to leave hospital. It was that, that Those were two things that I never imagined would ever happen to me. But, but once they did, then I had no choice but to take it seriously. And I also had one friend who was the only friend really that just kind of came out and said it. Um, it was quite early on and I'd actually just started losing weight to the point where I looked different. And I had a birthday party and no one really said anything. I think my best friends were kind of had growing concerns and would do subtle things like, you know, it's all the best will in the world. They would bring chocolates every time we had dinner together or they would say, oh, come on, let's go and get an ice cream after dinner or and all of those things which they thought were incredibly helpful. But of course, I didn't eat any of the, any of the things that they were giving me. Um, but this birthday party was a bit of a turning point because a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a very long time just turned around and said, Eve, you look so thin, someone make her a good meal. And I was so embarrassed. And a couple of my really good friends were really offended on my behalf and you know, thought that it was really inappropriate and I was embarrassed. But actually, it gave me the kick up the arse because I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want my friends to think I looked odd. And, and you know, motivation is different for everyone. But I, I think that especially at the point when someone's health is really suffering, you can't be afraid to just be honest yeah. um, because that person isn't going to be able to see, like Rini was saying, you, you cannot see the reality and you have to rely on the people around you to tell you the truth. Having said that, Eugenia um, streams on Twitch and TikTok lives and she does see these comments. She reacts to them um, in her own kind of very blithely continuing as she, as she is type way so she's clearly aware of the concerns from her community but mm. nothing nothing changes so I mean I, I do feel like we're in a sort of black mirror scenario aren't we you know that this could be the time that we you know watch someone live stream their own death um I think it's incredibly I, I disturbing <laughs> um mm. and uh you know it's it's just the most depressing story isn't it Eve I completely agree. And I think if anyone still has any misunderstandings about anorexia and thinks that it is just a silly problem that middle class girls get because they don't have anything better to worry about and that they can just snap out of it, watch Eugenia Cooney's videos, learn about her, and you will find out pretty quickly that this illness is something that is incredibly powerful and nobody really fully understands you can have as you said millions and millions and millions of messages I have no doubt that her intentions are good she's not ignoring the messages because she knows that she's underweight and she's ill and she 
wants to actively, you know, encourage eating disorders in other people. She's just very, very, very unwell. And the illness convinces you that everything is fine because that's the only way you can maintain the behaviours. Mm. And you can see by looking at her just how, how serious and deadly it is. And yeah, it's terribly sad. Well, you can read all about this and all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or via the Mail app. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.